0: The Bible says in this gospel, when the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Pray with me. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the bread. We thank you for the cup. God, we thank you for your body and your blood that was spilled on Calvary's cross. So, God, we pray right now. That you would move and minister upon each and every heart as we prepare our hearts and minds for your supper. God, be with us this day. Speak to our hearts in a powerful way, and we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Many of us, at one point or another, have had to have a letter or form notarized the form's not official until it's notarized as a matter of fact it's not worth the ink that's written on it until a notary stamp or seal has been placed on the form or letter and it's only then that the letter or form has the seal of approval when we look in this passage today, we begin to see the, the signature of Jesus Christ written in blood. The Lord's Supper, we saw at the last time that we observed the Lord's Supper, we looked in Exodus 12, and as we looked in Exodus 12, we saw that it teaches that the Passover was eaten in haste. It was to show that the Israelites were prepared and they were ready to move as God was going to bring about their deliverance from slavery in Egypt. Well, the Passover would continue to be observed by Israel in the same manner as they remembered the deliverance from slavery. Well, here in this Passover meal, that we see that Jesus is having with his disciples, things are a little different. He turned it into something new. What we observe in this Passover now is to remember the deliverance of slavery from sin rather than the slavery from a country. We're bound in sin. We're born in sin. We're shaped in iniquity. That sin has its reigns upon us on this side of life. And now that, that Jesus has come, he has freed us from this sin. The Passover will continue to be observed by those who know Jesus as Lord and Savior because of what he made possible for us. What he made possible for us was that we no longer have to be a slave to sin. Oh, this is meaningful. This is this is really helpful. And and what I, I see here, I want us to notice a couple of things in here. And and in overall, in, in just thinking about this for today, we notice Jesus' desire for his disciples. And we notice what that desire is. And there's two things I want us to really catch hold of his desire is first. Jesus wasn't in a hurry for this supper. Jesus sat down with the disciples. It seems, or he gives the indication here that he had been savoring this moment. It gives the indication here that he was anticipating this moment for some time. This wasn't something that he just off of a whim said we're going to do. This was something that meant something to him. And he was going to take his time with it. He wasn't rushing through this supper. As we read in Exodus, they were eating this supper and they were prepared to move as soon as God said move. But here at this time, Jesus is almost, you can almost picture him leaning back. After he has washed those boys' feet eating and they have gathered around this table and they're beginning to eat you can almost see him reclining in this supper just savoring this moment as a matter of fact verse 15 says that Jesus said to them with a fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer I, I hope you remember what that word fervent means in the Greek it's an athletic word which means to stretch or to reach out it- it- it's to strain or to exert to the extreme in an, uh, by an athlete in some sort of race the idea is that That you're given everything that you have everything that you're until you're literally exhausted. Here Jesus' death was on the horizon. His pain and anguish was very apparent to him and he had a fervent desire to have this meal with, with them. With everything in him, he wanted them to have this meal along with him. I want to tell you that we need to really understand that, that with a fervent desire, God desires to, to eat with us. He desires for us not only to take this meal, but he has a fervent desire for us to, to to be at the marriage supper of the lamb that desire was so great that his son gave everything that he had he gave his blood he gave his body so that you and i one day could have a feast with him up in glory Amen. it's a fervent desire he has and he's savoring the moment when it comes In verse 16, he says he would no longer eat of the Passover until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he's anxiously awaiting that. Jesus came, he bled, he died, he arose from the grave so that we who would believe could dine with him at that marriage supper in the kingdom of God. Revelation 19 and 9, it tells us that he said to me, "Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the sayings of God. We are blessed, those of us who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are blessed today because of what he's already instituted for us. And we come together, we come remembering what he has done for us, preparing a way for us to have that marriage supper with him in glory. But notice the other thing that we, we see. Not only was not only did he have a desire for the disciples so that, that he wasn't in a hurry to eat, but he also had such a desire that he wanted to ensure the identities of the disciples. The biblical teaching of the Passover assumes families will celebrate the meal together. In Exodus 13 and 14, the Bible says, so it shall be. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this? He's speaking about when they're observing the supper, and your children ask you, Why are we doing this? Why is this so important? He said, you shall say to him by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. It was so important that he wanted it passed down. He wanted it passed down so that their generations would know their identities were was in God. Their identities wasn't that they were they were a Jewish nation, but their identities were they were God's chosen people. Amen. And here, <laughs> again, the assumption was that the At the supper, it was to be shared with family and children are taught the significance of it. But when Jesus, here as we see in this passage, when he partook in this supper with his disciples... They may not have been his family by blood, but what he was doing was turning friends into family. His family are those who would receive his sacrifice, and these men who came that would receive his sacrifice were invited to this supper, and for no longer would they just be would they just be friends of one another. No longer would they be acquaintances of one another, but they would be brothers from here out. And I want to tell you we come to this supper as an indication remembering that God changed things that no longer am i Hilton to you but i'm brother to you no longer are you whatever your name is to me but you're my brothers and sisters we are in christ and we are a family and we should never forget that the simple thing here to really understand is that in order to take part of this supper you must be part of the family And we don't have to be connected by last name. It doesn't matter if you're Woodell, Locklear, Osondine, Jacobs, Hunt, uh, Chavis. It it, it doesn't matter what your last name is. (laughs) We can all have different names. Every one of us can have a separate name to ourselves, and it wouldn't matter. That's not what connects us to this. It doesn't matter if we're different backgrounds. It doesn't matter if we're different races. But what does matter is that we're connected by the blood (laughs) Not the blood of mama and daddy, but the blood of our elder brother. The new covenant, the Bible says, was sealed by the blood of Jesus. It teaches us that right there in verse 20. He says, likewise, he took the cup, and after the sand, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which was shed for you. His blood was the seal of the new covenant. Folks, we can't cross the bloodline. We can't change the new covenant. We can't make it fit what we want or what we desire. We can't make it fit the the society that we live in. We have to fit the blood. The blood doesn't fit us. We fit it. By the blood of Jesus it was shed on Calvary's cross by the shedding of the blood our sins have now been forgiven Jesus Christ God's only son gave his body and blood as the perfect final sacrifice for man's sin John 1 and 29 said the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world that word sin in in your translation is singular what he's saying is the sin that keeps you out of heaven has been taken away that we're now we have an opportunity that we'll spend eternity with Jesus. Amen. By Jesus being the final and sufficient sacrifice for all men, women, boys, and girls, our sins have been forgiven. Then, because the wages of our sin is death, Jesus died on our behalf. Well, what's wonderful is that the gift of God is eternal life, and this grace abounds and it extends to each and every one who would accept the gift. Knowing about Jesus isn't enough. We must accept him as our Lord and Savior. And once we accept him, his blood, that was shed on Calvary's cross, cross has been, is applied to our lives. And when his blood is applied to you and I, our sin account is covered. And when something is covered, you don't see it. And God no longer sees our sin. Instead, he sees his son who's covered our sin. And we become part of the family of God by the blood of God's son. Jesus' fervent desire for us is to be a part of his family. His fervent desire is so great that he sealed the new covenant with his blood. But to be part of the family, we must be Born again. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You may be wondering, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, how can I be born again? Well, you must admit that you are a sinner and you're in need of a Savior. For Romans 3 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You must admit not only that you are a sinner and in need of a Savior, but you must believe that Jesus died for our salvation for romans 8 and uh, 5 and 8 says but god demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we are still sinners christ died for us we must believe that salvation is a gift in romans 6 and 23 it tells us the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life in jesus christ jesus our lord And we must confess him as our Lord and Savior. For the Bible says in Romans 10 and 13 that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, we hope you've enjoyed the message today. And if you happen to not have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's as simple as the ABCs. If you would admit that you are a sinner and that you are in need of a Savior and believe that God sent His very Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to be the sacrifice for our sins and that He died for our sins and He arose on the third day. And then if you would confess Him as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved. You must believe this with all your heart and you must be willing to serve Him. If you are, all you have to do is talk with Jesus. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a church to get saved. But if you get saved, find yourself a Bible-believing church. And I believe God will richly bless you.